Amen. So I imagine that most of you are familiar with the expression in the flesh. So it means obviously in person, in real life, totally real. You're not imagining things. Um, the person's not mediated by audio or video or you know, just a picture or some other representative means, virtual or otherwise. So a few silly examples here. Well, one of them, this one's kind of silly. Um, I lived in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, if all of you did not know that, my junior and senior years in high school. And back then, the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray was in the works. And so guess who came to Punxsutawney? in the flesh. You guessed it, Bill Murray did. He wanted to experience an actual Groundhog Day, February 2nd. Um, And so the actor, Bill Murray, came to Punxsutawney in the flesh. Wow, that was exciting for a town of 9,000. So my high school speech teacher, it's a true story, she was on the welcoming committee, whatever this was, um, and, and she just gushed about it in class because she got to spend time with Bill Murray in the flesh. Um, Beth, actually, when she was in college, did this summer trip to the Holy Lands, and she saw Mother Teresa in the flesh in the Rome airport. And actually, you know, she's being pushed along in a a wheelchair. Beth went up and spoke with her, held her hands, and she met her in the flesh. You can imagine, you know, some teenage football player working at Grotto's. I'm trying to totally contextualize this here. Um, And Jalen Hurts comes in to eat with his friends. Okay, so what might that guy say to his football friends when they find out? So I'll just act this out for you quickly. So I'm the football friends when I'm over here. I am our grottos guy when I'm over here. Okay, so what? Jalen Hurts was there. He probably wouldn't say this if he was in high school, but go with it. In the flesh. (laughs) For real. For real. Okay. And maybe he even shows them like the selfie that he took with Hertz and then the football friends. That's crazy. Okay. Well, Christmas is all about God coming to earth in the flesh. What? God was here? Yeah, in the flesh. That is crazy. Like, we can be too familiar with it to really feel how crazy, crazy that is. I like what Glenn, Glenn Scrivener says. He's a British author. He says, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Atheists believe in the virgin birth of the universe. Choose your miracle. It is a miracle, right? The virgin birth is a miracle. It's a crazy miracle, a wonderful miracle. This was the gift of all gifts. God so loved the world that he gave, lovingly, generously gave his only son. And this is the gift that truly keeps on giving. In fact, in our passage this morning, we're going to consider some of the ways that the gift of Jesus at his first coming, first advent, continues to keep on giving to his people. So Hebrews 13, 
We're finishing up if you're just here for the first time this morning um, or visiting family. We've been in the book of Hebrews for Advent, looking at the glory of Jesus in several different passages, chapter one, chapter two, chapter four, over the last four weeks. And so we're capping it off here in Hebrews 13 in verses five to nine. So I'm gonna read those verses now and then we'll dive in, starting kind of in the middle at the center of this section in verse eight. But first let's read Hebrews 13, five to nine. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which are most likely kind of a religious, you know, kosher diet or, or otherwise, which have not benefited those devoted to them. All right, so point number one, we're gonna dive in at verse eight. This is kind of the centerpiece of this passage, and then we're going to see a couple of concentric circles, um, implications of this truth, okay? And we'll go up and down. So the first point's the longest point. The other three points are quick, okay? Just to give you a heads up in case you're wondering if we're going to be here till 1230 when you see how long the first point takes. Okay, so faithfulness. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So... It's all about the faithfulness of God in Christ. So the incarnation, God, God in the flesh, really and truly here on earth as a real human being, living among us as one of us, crazy wild stuff. And if you consider the character of God, certainly at the heart of that, if you know what God is like, is that he is faithful. So if God came in the flesh, then we are seeing in Jesus faithfulness in the flesh. Or you could say faithfulness personified. He is the same. He is steady. He's reliable yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Christ means the Messiah, the anointed one. And you anointed a prophet and a priest and a king in the Old Testament. So he is the full and final prophet priest and king. F.F. Bruce writes this. He's the prophet through whom God has spoken his final word. He's the priest who has accomplished a perfect work of cleansing for his people's sins. He is the king who sits enthroned in the place of chief honor alongside the majesty on high. He is faithful and true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to default on his commitment. He's not going to abort the mission. He's not going to run out of resources and have to close up shop. He's not going to get bored and just need to do something else. He's not going to drop the ball. He's not going to fail to follow through. He's not going to forget about us. He's not going to change his mind. He's not Jekyll and Hyde. He's not capricious or erratic or flighty or moody or fickle. His love and his grace, his favor, it's not a moving target. How do I get in his good graces? He is light and in him there's no darkness at all. He never wakes up on the wrong side of the bed of the universe. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't vacillate. He's never unavailable. 
You never get his voicemail. He's never in a meeting. He's never on vacation. He never has his phone on silent or do not disturb. You don't have to wait three months to get in to see him. He never forgets you. He's perfectly faithful and dependable. Lamentations 3, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new. You can count on them every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We change. We change our minds. We vacillate. We're not always dependable and reliable. We can be fickle. Our passions and our interests, they change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what does this mean? Yesterday, today, forever? Well, in the context of Hebrews, yesterday, because of the great love and mercy of God toward us, he came to save us from our sins. He crossed an infinite, infinite gulf and became a helpless human embryo. That's what he did yesterday. Yesterday, he was born under the social stigma cloud of illegitimacy. He was submissive to human parents. He was tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sin. That's what he was doing yesterday. Yesterday, he learned obedience firsthand in the flesh from what he suffered. He's been there. Yesterday, he came to seek and save the lost. Yesterday, he healed the sick, cast out the demons. He raised the dead. He forgave sins. Yesterday, he spoke the truth, predicted his suffering and death, was misunderstood by his followers, rejected by his hometown. All kinds of sinners and sufferers and strugglers flocked to him. Yesterday, he could not be deterred. He set his face like flint, even in and then through the Garden of Gethsemane. Yesterday, he was betrayed and arrested, falsely accused and condemned to death. He was mocked and spit upon and flogged and beaten. Yesterday, he was tacked naked to a cross on a public thoroughfare. He was mocked and derided as a foolish failed leader and a false messiah. But yesterday, his will was done. It was being done on earth as it is in heaven. He welcomed a repentant thief while he was dying on the cross as he faced the horrors of the cross. Yesterday, he drank the full cup of God's righteous wrath toward us sinners. He drank it to the dregs and he slammed it down and cried out triumphantly, it is finished. Amen. Yesterday, he really died. The soldier put the spear into his heart to make sure he was dead. Yesterday, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Yesterday, he lay cold and motionless on a stone slab wrapped in linen. Yesterday, his disciples went home defeated and disillusioned, thinking all of their messianic hopes had died when Jesus died. And yesterday, the sun came up on Sunday, and that stone was rolled away, and yesterday out walked our risen, triumphant Son of God, Savior. So yesterday, he dealt death a death blow. He destroyed the work of the devil and took the sting from death. Yesterday, the renewal began. Yesterday, he appeared to Mary Magdalene and to the disciples, even asking for a piece of fish to eat so they would know that he was no ghost, but it was the resurrected Lord and Savior in the flesh. Yesterday, he appeared again when Thomas was with them and graciously removed his doubts and replaced them with worship. Why are we going through all of this? Because he's the same. 
So if you see his heart in the past, you know his heart in the present. He's the same yesterday, today, and he will be tomorrow and into, into forever in the future. So yesterday he appeared to his disciples on the beach, serving them hot breakfast when they didn't catch anything, strengthening their faith, and what? Restoring Peter after he had denied Jesus three times. It's a threefold restoration. Yesterday, he even appeared to a crowd of 500 so that no one could say that these Jesus sightings were just wish fulfillment on the part of his disciples who had so much, you know, invested in this. Yesterday, he ascended into heaven to take the seat at their father's right hand because purification had been accomplished for our sins. So all because his purpose hadn't changed and his heart hadn't changed for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. The joy set before him of redeeming a people for himself from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And anyone who sees their need may have this great high priest and mediator make atonement for your sins because we can't atone for our own sins that's for sure a righteous advocate and intercessor if Jesus is your savior he does not accuse and condemn you at the throne and judgment seat of God instead he represents and mediates and intercedes for you which all means that today is the day of salvation if all that's true about yesterday today's the day of salvation while there's still time so today if you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. Amen. We have today a great sympathetic high priest who's passed through the heavens. He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he's been here yesterday. Today is the day to draw near to the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and grace to help us in our need. These are some of the passages we looked at earlier this month. So today there's grace to hold on, hold fast and keep going. Hold fast that confession and run the race that's set before you in our real lives with our real struggles and sins and failures and temptations and needs. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. <coughs> today is the day for refusing to drift and refusing to refuse his voice. Today is the day to run the race that's set before you. To take care, lest there be in any of us a sinful, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But instead to encourage one another, as long as it's still called today, so that none of us would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So today we have a merciful and faithful high priest who is willing and able to help us. We have faithfulness in the flesh with us and for us. And because he is ours today, we can have confidence and security forever. Amen. Tomorrow and the next day and the next day, all the way home. He's with us and for us. He's our priest forever. He's secured an eternal redemption. His blood has established the eternal covenant. We have an eternal inheritance. Hebrews 7 says it this way, the former priests were ma many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is our faithful high priest forever. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will always be with you 
as you run the race that's set before you all the way home. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His heart is the same. His love is the same. His compassion is the same. His commitment is the same. His power is the same. It's all the same, yesterday, today, and forever. So we can hold fast our confession, hold fast to our faithful Savior now. One concentric circle out. This text is not just kind of like a random pearl on a string. It's connected to what comes behind and what follows after. So Hebrews 13, 7 to 9. Before our verse, we find faithful leaders who've gone on. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And after our verse, we have a warning not to be led astray by a counterfeit leader. We're not going to really touch much on that. So yesterday, Jesus showed us the character of God in the flesh, in living and dying for us. Yesterday, he displayed his faithfulness in the lives of those who've gone before us. So Jesus was a faithful leader. He's the pioneer, blazed the trail. And then those who follow him also, they're the ones that led us to Jesus. They're the ones that helped us grow in our faith. They're the ones that help us stay on the path. And you probably have some of these folks in your life, they've gone on. But even though they've gone on, and maybe you dearly miss them, especially today, maybe it's mother, father, grandparent, you know, beloved teacher, pastor, whatever, if they've gone on, Jesus is still here. And he's the same. He's with you. So he is the same for us in our generation. He's faithful to us and can be trusted today. So parents, ministry leaders, Sunday school teachers, Awana leaders, VBS teachers, pastors, these leaders move away, they die. That loss can destabilize us. But even after they've gone, they can still encourage and strengthen us if we remember them. That's what the text says. Remember those leaders. Consider their way of life. Like, they made it. They weren't perfect. They didn't walk six inches off the ground. They had struggles and ups and downs, just like you and me, and they made it. And that's testimony to us, normal people with our struggles and ups and downs, that we can make it too by God's grace. If we imitate their faith, they're part of the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us as we run our race of faith. So listen, not to be too sober or sad on Christmas here, but kids and adult kids, like older people, adults who still have your parents, one day your parents aren't going to be here. They will be gone from this world, but Jesus will still be with you and he will still be the same yesterday, today, forever. So we all need to fix our eyes on Jesus and run the race and follow those. See, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you also see in your field of vision other people who are following him, and you can learn from how they run. That's what these leaders would be. So, you also need to realize that those leaders, those parents will pass away, and you will be the one whom others are following. You're going to need to be the one to speak the word of God, the gospel of Jesus to coming generations. And your faithfulness will encourage them to stay faithful. 
just like your leaders have done it for you. And that can be a little scary to think of, but we don't need to be fearful or anxious about tomorrow because Jesus Christ is the same tomorrow and forever. So one more circle out. Point number three, never forsaken. Look at verse five. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you because of Jesus, because we've been reconciled to God. If you're trusting in Jesus as your Savior, you're reconciled to God. God will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus was forsaken on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we would never be forsaken. So this promise of fidelity, of him not leaving or forsaking us in this passage, works back in verse 5 to contentment and satisfaction. Keep your life free from the love of money, being content. And it works forward to security and freedom from fear. Do you see it there? If he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Told you these points would be a little faster. Point number four. Last one. Last concentric circle out. Fear not. Satisfied and secured. Okay, do you see the result of that faithful promise, I will never leave you or forsake you, means that we can be free from fear and we can be content and satisfied. Not covetous. Keep your life free from the love of money. Being content because no one can take the most valuable thing from you and he's not going to leave you. It's like, it's very similar to what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4. I've learned whatever, in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any, in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What's the secret? I can do all things through him who strengthens me because I have him. If he's not going to leave and forsake me, I can make it through the ups and the downs, through the abundance and through the poverty. God's not going to leave or forsake me. I will always have what I need if I have him. So it frees us from covetousness and cultivates deep contentment in our souls. And if God is with you faithfully, he'll never leave or forsake you, you're safe. You can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So satisfaction and security, how important are those things in our lives? We need them desperately. We struggle. Well, Jesus came and lived and died and rose again yesterday to give you and me the promise of God's faithfulness. He'll never leave you or forsake you to give you that promise today so that you can be content and confident you can be satisfied and safe and secure in his almighty arms. That is a gift that keeps on giving. So let me just close with, close with this quote by Thomas Brooks on the beauty of Jesus, and then we're going to sing one song before we're done. So the beauty of Jesus, oh, sirs, there is in a crucified Jesus something proportionate to all the straits, needs, necessities, and desires of his poor people. He is bread to nourish them, a garment to cover and adorn them, a physician to heal them, a counselor to advise them, a 
captain to defend them, a prince to rule them, a prophet to teach them, a priest to make atonement for them, a husband to love them, a father to provide for them, a brother to relieve them, a foundation to support them, a leader to guide them, a treasure to enrich them, a son to enlighten them, and a fountain to cleanse them. What more can any Christian desire to satisfy him and save him and to make him holy and happy in time and eternity? What a gift. So have you ever seen a young child with the toy they've always wanted? Anybody this morning, maybe? Um, last Christmas, after church, maybe. Are they quiet about it? Do they keep the joy to themselves? No, they tell everyone. They gush about it. They want everyone to know they want them to share the joy. But we have the greatest gift that keeps on giving, and the book of Hebrews calls it this great salvation. So it only makes sense that we would close with, go tell it on the mountain. Let's go and share this good news. Let's enjoy it today and let's give it tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.